This month isn't a normal month at Eternity Church. Um, if you want to know why, we, why we're talking about this, I want to encourage you to listen to all four sermons and, uh, and, and, and let, let God just minister to your heart. Um, just know that our heart is not to cause diversion. Our heart is not to uh, intimidate, shame or hurt anybody, but to, to reveal the truth of the Word of God in an age where the world is intentionally and very strategically going after uh, trying to destroy the Word of God and 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 and, the, and Christianity in general, and so we just feel it's important to clarify. Who knows? In the beginning, the the, the devil came and said, uh, "Did God really say?" Right, and that's a trick the devil's using on a lot of Christians right now. And uh, it's interesting that he he never comes and says it about the easy things. You know, it's like love your neighbor, and no, no, no one in the world is coming up because did God really say love your neighbor? You know what I mean? No one's coming up and being like, did, did God really say that He'll forgive our sins? You know? No, no, they're coming after the things that are more difficult, right? Did God really say to give? Hey? Did God really say that we should chase righteousness and all these other things? And so it's our effort now to just bring some clarity and truth to your life um, and to empower you to stand on the truth of the Word of God. Find your strength there, not in culture. Amen. Uh, and also to help anyone struggling in any of these areas to find freedom in the name of Jesus. Does, does that sound good? And so uh, this week, um, Pastor Jeff Grinnell, who's also a college lecturer at one of, our, one of the Assemblies of God colleges in the United States, he um, was here doing a parent night and a youth night on Friday. And we got chatting at lunch on Friday and we were like, well, you know what? I'm speaking on this. You're, you're speaking on this. Instead of me just preaching a sermon, we've both done all the same research. We agree almost entirely on, on everything. Uh, why don't we just sit down and have a conversation about this? And so would you do me a favor and give a hand to my friend, Pastor Jeff Grinnell, as he comes up and grabs. Thank you, Judah. Give my boy a hand as well. You know what I love about that kid? He just wants to do anything he can to, to, to be a part of what God's doing here. Hey, just stay standing as I read our, our, um, our key verse for the day. 1 Corinthians um, 6.13. Uh, for food is meant for the stomach and stomach for the food. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. All right, let me read it in Iowa. Bacon is meant for the stomach and the stomach is meant for bacon. Now give me an amen. Amen goes on, um, uh, and God, God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The body is for the Lord, and the Lord for the body, your body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. We talked about the resurrection, remember, in our death sermon a couple of weeks ago. So I encourage you to go get that and learn some Christian theology there, yeah? We are not a die and go to heaven religion. We are a resurrection religion. Amen? Uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? The, the, the answer is no. It wasn't a trick question. Um, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality and every other sin. A person who commits, uh, sorry, uh, every other sin a person commits is outside your body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so you should glorify God in your body. And so that's our key text for the day. And I read that because we want to understand that everything we do with our body, right? Our body is something sacred to God. And that's the foundation that we have to understand everything that we talk today about. Amen. And so, uh, so if you want to receive from God today, not just get educated because knowledge puffs up, right? But if you want to encounter God today and be inspired and encouraged in the Word of God, would you lift up your hands? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we did not come here just to be educated so we could walk out all puffed up like we know better than everybody else. But God, we wanted to come here and encounter you. 
and let the water of the word wash over us. We don't want to live lives trying to trying to realign the word of God with our lives, but we want our lives to be realigned with your word, Lord God. And so I ask that today, even as we talk about a tough topic, that you would encourage us, that you would inspire us, that you would remind us of how special we are to you, how valuable we are to you, Lord God. May we leave this place better than we came in. In the name of Jesus Christ, somebody say, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Now, you may take your seats. Do me a favour today. Um, we are going to sit down. The tone is going to be quieter like we did last week. But I still would like for you all to yell at the preachers today, all right? And um, if it's good, say it's good. If it's wow, say it's wow. And, um, and, uh, but like what we found in every one of these hot topics, uh, Pastor Jeff, is that um, I say, I'll say something and like normal, I'll be like, can I get an amen? And usually everybody's like, amen! Right? But during this, they're like, oh, I just want to see if it's a trick first. Right, right. I've learned that when I'm preaching, I'm fast. When I'm teaching, I'm slow. But it doesn't matter to them, so. Exactly. So, and bring so, it, bring it. Wait, I was at a youth camp this summer, and somebody threw a tennis shoe at me. That was nice. Yeah, it wasn't my size, but they That's still threw it. Were you wearing two shoes at the time? I did. I had two shoes Okay, on. so they weren't, like, blessing you? No, no. If... if if it was size 12 and they were the new Currys, I would have kept them. Yeah. yeah. And just waited and just trust the Lord that the, that the pair would get thrown at you at the next camp. Awesome. <laughs> so, guys, what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, um, what we're going to do is we're going to roll through some, um, some, some key questions. And then if we have time at the end, if, uh, if Jeff and I don't gas bag too much, uh, then we'll throw it open for some Q&A at the end. Um, we're okay with going 10 or so minutes over again this week. We've sort of made peace with that over the Hot Topic sermon series because there's a lot to cram in and we don't want to rush that, right? Uh, not to mention that when I was young, um, that going over meant you were there from 8 till 1 instead of 8 till 9.30, right? And so, um, so we can handle a little bit of extra uh, word of God and a little extra company in church, right? And um, now if the person next to you stinks too bad to handle that, um, you know, um, pr- just be a living sacrifice. And so, all right. So the questions we're going to do, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, did God design us to be male and female only, or were they just only the ones that he mentioned? Um, is it a scale? Um, does, why does it even matter to God? We're going to also look at, uh, should Christians transition uh, and or detransition if they have transitioned to their genders, male to female, female to male? Um, then we'll talk a little bit about gender stereotypes, rapid onset gender dysphoria. We'll talk a little bit, if we have time, about the neo-Marxist culture war going on. And you better believe it is a culture war and it is rooted and founded in neo-Marxism and it does matter and you need to be aware. Um, and then we'll talk about whether or not we should use pronouns. Um, and uh, and um, if we have time, we'll end on outrageous love. However, you've been here for four weeks and you know that we uh, outrageously love people. And um, so I want to just start where we started last week and just remind you that we're talking about people, not just issues and topics. Okay. And so there are people with just real, um, just real, real struggles in their lives, uh, real issues, suffering, real rejection, uh, real hurt. And, uh, and so we're not just talking about an issue. It's not just, oh, let's, t- let's talk about that trans issue now. That, it, it's harder than that, all right? Um, and so I heard a story about a girl named Leslie. Growing up, she didn't feel like all the other girls. She didn't, you know, she didn't love the Barbie. She didn't love pink. She, she didn't, you know, she didn't love to, um, you know, uh, the Barbie dolls, that is. Um, she, she didn't love hanging out with girls. She liked to hang out with the boys. Um, she liked to play football. She was a bit more aggressive, uh, you, you know. And um, I think in, in, many times we would call her a tom, a tom girl now or a tomboy, I think they might say. Um, and uh, so she, she was like that. Um, after a while, that separation between her and the other girls started to feel greater and greater and greater. Uh, she started to get anxiety, depression, uh, started to think about suicidal thoughts. Uh, and then she had an epiphany, thank God, because she was raised in a good, in, in a godly home. She was raised in a conservative uh, church. Um, she thought, I know where I should go for this uh, struggle. I should go speak to my pastor. Um, and so, and, and we want to be that church, right? Where no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, 
whether you've murdered someone, whether you have lied about someone, whether you've gossiped about someone, whether you have um, uh, committed adultery. We want to be the church where you can come and speak and, uh, and ask for help, right? And so this young lady did that. Unfortunately, their church was not like our church. And the pastor actually marched her out the back door and said, don't talk about that again. Don't come back here until you've sorted that out in your life. And that's not how we're supposed to respond. And I, I, I just, I, I could understand her starting to, uh, to believe that God is who they represented him to be. Right, and so we just don't want to be that. We, it's okay for us to be truth people. Uh, not, not just okay. We have to be truth people. Uh, we have to smother it in God's love. Amen. If somebody then still rejects the truth as loving as we were, that that's not on us. Some people will still do that. Um, but but the path that is on us is: Are we doing all we can to love and welcome people into the house of God? Amen. And uh, so that's something that's important to us to remember. But let's just jump right in now, though, and we want to talk straight away about design. Did God design us male and female only, or did he design male and female and and then just forget to tell us about the rest? And the best place to start there is Genesis, right? So in Genesis 127, we see that Scripture says, So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them in his image, right? And then you go on in uh, Genesis 2, I think it's 2.24, we talked about last week, when God was trying to find a suitable helper for Adam, that suitable, that word suitable comes from, it's a compound word meaning two words, ke, which means like, and uh, neged, which means, uh, which means uh, opposite, right? And so, so the suitable helper for a man, or the suitable partner for a man was someone who was kenego, someone who was like him, they're human, but not like him at all, right? And, and, and that, and, and like, like we did last week, like any married men in here know that that's true, right? Your wife is like you, but she ain't like you, right? Can I get an amen, right? Like, and so, and ladies, I'll give you a chance, right? He's like you because he's human, but he ain't like you, is he, right? Like, and, and, and that's God's design. And so we see there that God talks about not only is gender this, uh, like, you know, because the question is scale, right? You've heard that question? Is gender scale, right? Like, what, what was the example they used? Like, night and day. God, like he, God said, there's night, there's day, yada, yada, yada. And then they say, but there's also dawn and there's noon and there's, and there's dusk. And so is gender like that? You know, male, female, but then there's like dawn and noon and dusk, you know? But, there's only, but God says like and opposite. Like and opposite, right? Completely different. There's male and there's female, and we see that really clear. Did you want yeah, to add to that? Yeah, you know what? It, it's like with using that illustration, you can't have the sun and not have the sun at noon. You can't have it both ways. That's right. You know, and... Uh, and that's true even with cre- light and dark, right? It's just there or it's exactly. not there. It, it's there or not. Yeah. And with creation, which Pastor just read, creation is not uh, evolving. It's set. Creation is set. And what happens is we, we want to change things. And we want to fit truth or intent, creation. We want to fit it with where we're at today. And so you have this battle or this war that is waged against culture and scripture. Feelings and faith. You see the framework? Emotions in the argument versus ethic in the argument or the conversation, right? You have popularity versus principle. Follow that? So culture on one hand, scripture on the other. Popularity on one hand, principle on the other. Ethic on one hand, uh, or if you take the negative, the emotions on one hand, ethic on the other, and then feelings versus faith. And we're going to have a framework. Everybody in the room has a framework. But the framework needs to be set, not changing. And what happens is if you build your framework on that first set of things that I mentioned, faith, uh, feelings, not faith, emotions, not ethic, popular, not principle, culture, not scripture, it's changing. And that is not the way that we set right and wrong, right? right? That's... That's not how we set that. So yeah. the scripture you read is set. It's not evolving. Yeah. Now, 
Now, laws may evolve, but, but the truth of the Word of God is not evolving. Right? It's set. It's in there, and it's firm, and it's strong, and it's foundational. Yeah? The other thing about like, the, when you were designed, God talks about that we are his image bearers, right? And so it says, in his image, God created us. And then the only thing he mentioned when he said in his image is male and female, right? So you're an image bearer if you're black and you're an image bearer if you're white. You're an image bearer if you're Hispanic and you're an image bearer if you're Asian, right? Now, there's no other, uh, there's no other, what to say, uh, flavors of mankind that, that, that are image-bearing status. Just male and female, you're an image-bearer, right? And so that image-bearer is really important and understanding that when God said that, He said that it's our maleness and our femaleness that help us bear His image. And so this word image-bearer, you've heard of Imago Dei, right? Um, and then image-bearer, the image word, uh, uh, I, I'm not great at speaking. I can read and write Greek and Hebrew. I cannot uh, say it. Um, the word um, is T-S-E-L-E-M or Salem probably uh, in the Hebrew for image. And the cool thing about that is that word is used um, all, a whole bunch of times in Scripture. And every time it's used, it, 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 it's talking about an idol in your life right? Saying you must not have idols in your life. And, and so, and what he's saying is like that an idol is a physical representation of an invisible deity, right? That's an idol in your life, right? Like a Buddha, that's an idol, a physical representation of an invisible deity. See, and God said that we are that physical representation of the invisible God, right? That we are his image bearers, we represent God on earth as the physical representations as the Salem of the invisible God. And so it's very important that that we understand when God designed us, what he said at that moment, male and female, he created them in his image. That good? I think it's well said. I wouldn't add anything to that. Well, would you add to why does it even matter though? Because that's design, right? So that, that's just in the beginning, right? So yep. why does that still matter? Yep. I think there's, there are certain principles that are irreversible, yeah. non-negotiable, yeah. right? Yeah. The, there are certain principles that we have to have that are non-negotiable. Yeah. And when they're set, they can't be changed by course yeah. or feeling, right? So when I, when I look at the text, some people will look at the text and be like, well, that's not my lifestyle that doesn't fit my lifestyle but we have to think the opposite of that because most people are okay with civil law okay yeah why are we not okay with spiritual law yeah civil law most of us are okay with that uh if i lived in new york city and we changed green lights and now they mean they mean stop and red lights now mean go if somebody came from boston they would be confused and they would be like, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true anywhere else except for yeah. where you live. So that's what we've done. We've said, I'm okay with some, with, with some law, but not with the ones that affect me in a certain way. Com- right. Comfort or whatever, right? Yeah. So it, to me, it's immutable. It's unchangeable. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have that set, like Paul, in, first, in first Timothy 1, Paul said this. He lists about eight or nine different sins. Two of them are sexual immorality. And then he says this, and others like this. He added to the list by just saying other things like this Mm. that are against the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this argument cannot be won in a cultural at a cultural, uh, in a cultural tense, right. Right. it has to be one from the scriptural tense because it's yeah. unchanging. Yeah, and and there are an innumerable medical reasons why this is a bad idea, right? Like why it's a bad idea for somebody to transition their body from male to female or vice versa. Innumerable uh, medical reasons why. But what matters most to the Christian is what does God have to say about it, right? What does the Word of God have to do? Because we, we're not trying to live based on what the world says is right and wrong. 
but what God says is right and wrong, right? Because we're believers, right? We believe in the book, right? So bring the book, right? And so we believe in that. And, and that's so. why if I'm sitting at the table with or anywhere with my LG plus friends and I have a major ministry toward them, if, if yeah, uh, that's, that's why I wrote the book. And, <laughs> and we're talking about these things. That's why I try to get them to their framework. Right. What do you believe? Not what have you been told about something and you have never, it's become uh, somebody else's faith. It's not yours or your framework. And I always get them back to that list of things that I said. It's either the, faith, the, the feelings of the faith, emotions of the eth. If you, if you can help them to think that way, then they understand, hold it, that's true. Yeah. Things are going to change in three years. Just like the Defense of Marriage Act. 2007, 2009, 2015. The same person, at the same president, changed his mind twice on that issue. So exactly. what are we going to do with Congress now? Is Congress going to say, in 2022, we're going to change it again? Yeah. That's not how we set ethic. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem with laws of man. You're just living, being tossed around by other people's opinions and what's popular, right? Exactly. So um, but I, I just want to take a moment to remind everybody, too, if you struggle at all in, uh, you know, um, with gender dysphoria, which is, again, not a term that the church made. That's the clinical term out of Mayo, right? Yeah, um, I mean, go to the Mayo Clinic right now, and you can see dysphoria is a medical term. But we as a church have been labeled the ones who started that, yeah. like many other things. One but of the things wasn't. I did, pa <laughs> Pastor, there's a, there's a chapter in here on the cultural waves, yeah. the sexual revolutions that we've gone through the last four in the last 50 years. And yeah. I talk about the lies in there that were placed on the church. We are yep. not the ones that started the gay hate debate. Okay. No. We are not the ones that started that. No. It started back in the eighties with the Matthew Shepard case that was pinned on the church. And I prove it in here that, uh, with the, I go back to the sheriff's records where Matthew Shepard, the young college kid who was uh, killed because of his gayness, right? Coming out homosexual. It was not church kids at that bar that beat him and killed him. No. It was not. And I go back to the, the sheriff's report and put this in there. And yet we have been trying to recover from that for 40 years. But that, that comes down to the, that, that culture war though, right? The neo-Marxist right. culture war where it is the aim of Marxism yes. to abolish religion. Yes. So right? on the back of the cover, if you want to get this, we've only got a few copies. If you can't afford it, we'll pay for it. Uh, it says from Vladimir Lenin's How to Destroy the West. Okay? Vladimir Lenin, How to Destroy the West. I'm, re I'm quoting him. Corrupt the young, get them away from religion, and encourage their interest in sex without morality. That's how you destroy the West. And so you've got to understand that, that the reason the church gets pinned with all this stuff is because they want to destroy religion, right? The church stands in the way of this, this overarching goal that they have. Um, I want to remind you again, if, again, if you struggle with this, again, um, you're welcome here. We're not saying this so that you feel shamed. All of this is to help you understand who you really are, Okay. And, uh, and, and I don't want you to walk around with the pressure of having to figure out, am I a man or am I a woman, right? That's not some weight you were ever supposed to carry. God already decided for you, right? And, he, and then he wove it into your DNA. He wove it into every, he wove it into your body, right? It's already been decided for you, yeah? And so the, the reason that it matters still is because we need to understand who we are so that we can pursue who God designed us and who God called us to be. Does that make, do you understand? So our heart is to help you on your discipleship journey, whether you're straight, gay, whether you're, uh, whether you're side gender, which uh, means the gender you would, that, that, that they recognized at your birth, or whether you're transgender, uh, it's our heart that you would, that you would pursue who God designed you to be on your discipleship journey. Amen. And so, so in that point, yeah, truth. So on that point, the, y'all remember when uh, God made the suitable helper for Adam and then he put Adam into a deep sleep and he, he, he took something. What, what did he take? Rib, right? 
Now, everybody says rib, and that's okay. It might have been a rib, but he doesn't speak to rib. He actually doesn't say, I took his rib. Uh, he uses this word sailor, which is used 40 other times in the Word of God, okay? And, 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 and in every single one of those times, it's never, ever meaning rib. Any other time it's said in Scripture, it never means rib. It actually talks to, uh, sailor is the side piece or the side of a sacred piece of architecture every time. And so when God says, I'm going to take your rib, though it may have been a rib, he doesn't say, I'm going to take a rib. He says, I'm going to take something out of the side of a sacred piece of architecture when he talked about mankind, that we are a sacred piece of architecture. See, good morning and evening. Uh, it was good. Uh, he made the, 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 the animals and it was good. And he made the, the sun and the moon and, and the night and the day and the, the water and he separated it and, and, and it was good. But then he made the sacred piece of architecture and he said, whoa, now that's very, very good. So when God designed us male and female, when God made us with sexed bodies, that means uh, uh, you, you have sex, you're male or you're female. When God designed our sexed bodies, he said, that is a sacred piece of architecture. That is very good. Paul goes on to say, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? That our bodies and our souls worship God together. Remember in the death sermon, our, our bodies and our soul aren't supposed to be separate when we die, right? That wasn't supposed to happen. We weren't, we weren't designed souls. And then uh, a little while later, God's like, I need to find a body for this soul. No, he, he made us together. Because the intent is that this sacred piece of architecture and this sacred spiritual side of us would remain together sacredly. Amen. Add to that? Good. No, no, that's great. That's great. I, I, one of the things that I love on that emphasis is the temple, the habitation. And the that's, temple that's of the Holy the Ghost. Yeah. Comes. Yep. We are the temple. And listen, you're born in what year, right? 2000. Quite a long year, time right? ago. You were born then. Then there's this dash. Okay. And you don't, if you're here today, this morning, there's no second date yet. <laughs> right? Um, those of you that know my story, my wife passed in 2015. So she was born in 1962, dash, 2015. So what she did with her dash, her life, yeah. right? That's what she brought back to God. God gave her that, that body, that breath. And what we do with that is our reasonable service to God, the temple, yeah. And so that's where I think the sanctity, we all believe in the sanctity of life, and most people do, whether, where, whether it starts, wherever it starts. Yeah. I would say most people believe in the sanctity of life and we don't, that we don't murder and we don't kill, depending on where it starts, right, politically. But we have to back up and believe in the sanctity of gender also. Created at the same time. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, rem yeah, and remember that resurrection too. Like, we will be resurrected with sexed bodies again, right? In our male and female form is how God will resurrect our bodies. And so the way God designed you is of utmost importance, and it's sacred, okay? Now, some people will ask, then there's a multiple things, right? There's like, well, what, what about blonde people, you know? Like, how come a blonde person can dye their hair black, right? How come, how come a pastor in Iowa can have tattoos, right? Like, what's he doing to this sacred architecture? It's changed. Why is he allowed to transition from a blonde to a brunette? But I can't, right? And you do get asked that question, right? And the thing is, when God designed us, I think I said that earlier, when God designed us, he did not design us with any other differentiating uh, sacredness, right? He didn't say, uh, and, and in my image, I made them black and white. And in my image, I made them Asian and Hispanic and, and, and African American. Or He didn't say any of those things. He didn't say blonde or blue eyed. He said male and female. And that it's our maleness and our femaleness that is directly tied to our image bearing status with God. And so we were designed in his image. And then the, the, the question that I think we need to answer for some people is, there's this intersex debate. Have you heard about intersex, right? 
And have you, uh, give me a wave. You, you're, allowed to, you're allowed to respond up in here, yeah? And so people will talk about, well, people with intersexed um, conditions proves that gender is a scale from male to female and different options in between. Um, but that's, A, not scientifically accurate. Um, so people will say that uh, intersex is 1.7% of the population. Um, but have you, I don't know if you've heard that, right? And so they're, and they're inferring that 1.7% of the population are hermaphrodites, which would be someone who's born with both female sex organs and male sex organs, right? And, uh, and so they'll say, but this one... Or indistinguishable. And so this, what, this, what this intersex debate is about, though, is um, that, that 1.7 actually encompasses... Uh, hundreds of intersex conditions, okay? And so when someone says 1.7% are intersex, that actually includes, and the biggest number of that one, the biggest portion of that 1.7% are actually people who have what's called late onset puberty disorder, right? And so that's actually just someone who went through puberty later on. So they're still very, very clearly, unambiguously male or female, right? But they went, and that is the biggest bulk of that. But people who are... Uh, people who it is ambiguous, are they male or female, because they have both uh, male and female sex organs, um, are actually only 1% of that entire 1.7%, meaning it's less than 0.0017% of people on planet Earth that are truly intersex in that regard. So then the question is, well, well doesn't that prove, though, that, people, that there is a scale? But now we can get into the medical terms later on, but I don't want to spend our, all of our spiritual time talking about that. But, um, but what that really, it doesn't actually show scale. It shows there is male, female, and then after the fall, there is a very, very, very small percent of people who are both, but not on a scale. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, so some people are, as a result of the fall, both. And it's a very small number of people. Now, you also need to understand, even for that group of people, some of them, it is quite obvious that they are male or female, but with something else that has, uh, that has grown wrong in their bodies, okay? And so, now you can get into the discussion. Now, I say that the result of the fall, that doesn't mean that an intersex person, a truly intersex person, is more fallen than you are. Not at all, right? Um, it doesn't mean that they're more fallen than the person who has cancer or the person who has cancer is more fallen than you. We just live in a fallen world and all of us are, are, are image bearers of God. Amen? And so um, it's just important to mention that, that when people try to use that argument, they make it out like it's a lot of people, but it's a very small percentage of people. Real people to be loved for sure. But. Yeah, and I think it, a, a good way to look at this, to explain this, is uh, I have a friend who has a deformed left hand. Maybe you have a friend who has a deformity in a foot or a deformity somewhere on their features. And this right? is almost all intersex people too. Yeah, yeah. It, right, right. So when, when you look at uh, my friend, Adam, who has a deformed left hand, I don't question when he was born that way whether he's right-handed or left-handed or center-handed. I don't create another label for Adam that he's center-handed or he's no-handed. He just happens to have a, you know, some would call it a handicap or a disadvantage or a deformity yep. or whatever we call that, right? Uh, when my wife was going through cancer, she was in a wheelchair because she had a seizure. And when she had that seizure for four months, I had to take care of her. And so I became even more, uh, more gracious to other people who might have had issues and right. were in wheelchairs. Right. But I didn't give them another label. Correct. You, you, you know what I mean? And so to stretch and to reach like for... Like they're on some scale of humanity now. They're less human because they have less limbs. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it's 0 .03, which is really the intersex issue, yeah. n not all of the other things... Now I want to label a whole human, a whole set of humans because of a disadvantage? Yeah. No, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. And we certainly don't want to use them, uh, use and abuse them as some excuse for something else that has no medical foundation or biblical foundation at all, right? Ethically, I look at Adam with a deformed hand the same way I would look at anyone else with yep. an issue 
an ethical issue, you yeah. know, not just a exactly. physical issue. So you can't, it's, it's really, it, what we have to do is use the same principles that we, that we would use for one thing to, yeah. to use that same principle for another thing yeah. instead of adjusting with how I feel exactly. or culture versus scripture, etc. Yeah. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support Eternity Church, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That will help us reach more people to share the good news with. Thanks so much. Now back to the message. So before we get on to should Christians transition or detransition, I want to just end that part with this, this why it matters to God, that, um, that part of your discipleship as a believer is learning to embrace our bodies as important aspects of our identities and learning to see them as gifts from God right, uh, uh, as how we bear his image on earth, right, and so I would say that while your identity, while your, what, what I say here, um, while your, um, sorry, that's right, though we're not completely defined by our sex, we cannot be completely defined without it, does that make sense, and so the way God designed us, we, we, we're, not, we're not defined by our sex, but we absolutely cannot be defined without it, okay? That's biblical and, uh, and real. Throughout um, Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. All the way. If yeah, I, that, if, that's a good point. Go yep, to your sex stops. Yep. So let me just go there real quick. And it's in the, the second chapter of the book, if you get a chance to do that. Uh, you can get it online, too. Um, the second chapter is a theology of gender, marriage, and sex. Sex and sexuality. And it takes us from... Genesis to Revelation. And with that framework, I can do this in, in just in two minutes. Let me give you six sex stops in Scripture, okay? Six places in Scripture where we have a framework or understanding of what th- this argument means. So it, I'm going to give you all six of them and then comment on them quickly. The first one is the Genesis intent or the creation intent. The second one is the wisdom intent. The third one is the messianic intent, the Messiah moving into the New Testament. The, uh, the fourth one is Pauline intent, and what Paul has to say in the epistles on the, these subjects. The fifth one is Jude in one little chapter in about four verses. Jude does a mic drop on all of this. Really powerful. Then you have... John, or the Revelation intent, the Johannine intent, who some people say was gay, John, John the Apostle, right? F- for various reasons, we could take time to, to, to look at that. I don't believe that he was. I think it's pretty clear that he was not. But let's just say for a moment that I'm at the table with an LG plus crowd, and they bring that argument. Maybe you've heard that about Jonathan and David and uh, Paul, right, or Saul. So... Let's just give the argument for a moment. Because then what we're saying is, if John were gay, that you can be transformed. Because we know that in his former life, whether he was or not, in his later life, he was not. Because he's the one who said, you must be born again. So if he were born that way or a certain way, if Saul were gay when, early in, in life... We know that Paul was not. Okay, we know that Paul was not. Because nobody spoke more clearly about this topic than Paul. Right? So you have to look at the whole of Scripture, not just statements. And from Genesis in the creation intent, male and female will leave mom and dad or leave their sets, their family sets, become married, and then have passionate sex and fill the earth. That's the Genesis intent. All the way through, I'm not going to hit each one of them, but all the way through to the end, to John, it is very clear that gender is set at male and female. Not the only one way ref- we're identified. The in only way, way that we are identified. When you look at the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, who, who wrote, along with David, who wrote the, the Psalms, and Asaph wrote a couple of them, uh, 18 of them or so. Now we have David... And Solomon, in the Psalm, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, not one mention of, an, of a neutral gender or a third way. Yep. 
all the way through the scriptures, not yep. one mention of it. So None. you have to look at, I mean, Aristotle, Plato, Descartes, all of them go back to Solomon. Solomon. They all say he was the wisest of the wise. He, yes. You can't, study, you can't study philosophy at the university level without doing some, they may not treat Solomon very well, but Solomonic thinking is there. It's, yeah. in the, it's in the philosophical argument. So just one question and I'm done. Give me like 30 seconds and I'm done. One question. If the wisest man who ever lived, okay, Solomon, knew what he was talking about, don't you think that he would have given us Song of Solomon chapter 9? It stops at 8. But don't you think he would have given us a whole nother way yeah. to clean this argument up? But he doesn't. Every mention of gender, marriage, and sex is within the confines of sex between man and woman within marriage. Yeah. Right? There's no third way. There's and no third way. Now, when people, now, a lot of people will say, well, I don't believe in the Bible and I don't believe in, you know, I, I don't respect Solomon and, and all these other things. And they'll say things like, but we are more enlightened people now because we have science, medical, uh, medical advancements, technology. That is but changing. They say, exactly. It's but the changing. thing about those things is even though we are clearly the brightest we feel like we've ever been um, with the most knowledge available to us than we've ever had in your pocket right now. Um, the, that, the thing is, though, that no one has yet been able to prove medically and scientifically that there is anything other than male and female. In fact, what they've discovered is that, the, that, that for the, if you do transition, that for the rest of your life, you will now be a medical patient. No matter what, if you transition, you are going to be a medical patient for the rest of your life because your body will try to fight this unnatural thing that you're doing to it. And so actually all research and advancement and quote unquote enlightenment has actually revealed the truth that there is only two genders, not a scale, and that you will fight that for the rest of your entire life in, if you transition. In, in 2017, in Canada, they, were, they, they tried to change the designation. That's the key word, the de, right? Yeah. Designation. By adding a box. So it was always male, female. Always male, government forms, etc. Then they tried to, in Canada, a neutral gender fetus and give it a box of you undecided or X, not sure, right? And, but that doesn't change the code. It, the it, it, it changed the form, hello, <laughs> but it didn't change the DNA or the code. That's right. And that's, I don't know if you've ever seen Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Do you know what the Abagnale effect is? Frank Abagnale was the guy that's, you know, changing all, he, he's changing these identities. And, and so they catch him and they're going to put him in jail. Right? But Tom Hanks, the, the detective, says, I'll tell you what, we're going to take you out of jail if you will come and teach us how to recognize the counterfeit. Right? And you remember what he did in that scene when he's with all of these agents and they're trying to figure out how to catch the counterfeits? He's, he made yeah. this statement. It's a remarkable statement. He said this, you don't catch counterfeits by looking at counterfeit. You catch the counterfeits by looking at the original. Mm. And what we have been doing in our culture is looking at the counterfeit, trying to prove it to be the truth. Yeah. But you can't do that because it's changing. You gotta, exactly. You've got to stay rooted and anchored in the truth. Amen. The, um, the, the question of should, I, should a Christian transition, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, there's a thing called rapid onset gender dysphoria. What that is is um, you might have a daughter. She behaves like a girl. She believes she's a girl. Um, and there's no problem with that. And you, that's your understanding of your daughter. And then one day suddenly your daughter says, I, I am, I am a, uh, a male soul in a female body. I, I am a male, right? Um, mind you, Scripture shows us the importance of the, even if that were possible, um, that the, uh, the body still matters, right? And so people talk about what to do if there's incongruence between the two. Well, number one, we can't find incongruence anywhere. But someone may feel that way, right? And that, that, that's called rapid onset gender dysphoria. It happened like that, right? It was sudden. It was swift. It was quick. Before that, I had no indication that this could be an issue in my daughter's life. Have you, do you understand what I'm saying, right? 
So they, they looked at that, and uh, where is it here? Uh, in 2000, well, let me read this to you. In London, the, the Tavistock Centre in London, the main gender clinic in the United Kingdom, treated 51 children and teenagers in 2009. That was 34 males and 17 females who had gender dysphoria or were identifying as trans. In 2016, the same clinic saw 1,766 children and teenagers, 557 males, 1,209 females, and in 2019, it saw 2,364 children and teenagers. Now, what you're going to understand is that is a more than 5,000% increase in the number of young girls that have suffered from rapid onset gender dysphoria. All of a sudden, I think that I am a Boy, now there is no um, there is no evolutionary trait that could trigger a rapid increase like that. Scientifically speaking, from that number to a five thousand, almost five thousand seven hundred percent increase in the number of young women that identify as trans. And so they did a whole bunch of research. And and now, mind you, that that centre did this research and completely ignored it. Okay. And they say, and most researchers and psychologists agree, that the biggest influence in whether or not a young girl is going to identify as trans is social media. Is she on social media or not? Right? And so a young girl on social... Now, now, when you see that, you can't say that's biology. You can't say that's evolution. Right? That the biggest indicator is, are they on social media? We'll get to gender stereotypes in a second, but are they on social media? And that, that shows that there is a push online by influencers and then their friends at school to push this idea. And what that young people are seeing online is, if you come out as trans, all of a sudden you'll be celebrated. You won't be celebrated um, if you're if you're psi gender, if you are biologically male, but you will be celebrated if you're transgender. And so young people who are not being celebrated for being a sporting hero or being intelligent or being good looking or whatever it is, it's it just any number of things, but I'm not celebrated and I want to be celebrated. If I do this, I'll be celebrated. And social media, that's why in the new household our kids don't have any access to social media and if I'm and and obviously I can't speak for the future but I'm so I'm fairly certain that until my kids are 18 they won't have social media the benefits the social benefits do not at all make up for the cost of their image bearing status you know again let me give an example of what pastor is saying the it's called pop form Okay, pop form, popular formation, yeah. cultural formation. And what happens is, these are teenagers in this study. But let me take it home to your, let me take it to your, your home. Because some of you are going through this right now. Yeah. And let me put it in my home. I have a three-year-old grandson one year ago who was going through this pop form, popular formation. His name is Beckham. And last Christmas... He, he began to hear for the year before that, when he was two and three years old, uh, that he looks like a girl. And you'd have to see Beckham. He looks like, he's got long blonde hair, big, huge saucer blue, blue eyes, and he's got uh, feminine features. But, he, but trust me, he's all boy, okay? But he looks like he just came off the surfer magazine, right? They live in L.A., etc., right? So you go to the social media and you can see what I'm talking about. He, he models, etc., but everywhere they would take him, people would say, oh, your daughter is beautiful. And so he would hear that over. And Kristen, my daughter-in-law, would have to, like, correct that. But over time, pop form takes over, doesn't it? And so at Christmas time, we're all, this past year, 10 months ago, Kristen comes and we're talking and she's in tears and she's like, I, I don't know what to do. And she tells me that story that I just told you. And Beckham thinks he's a girl. And now Maddox, the seven-year-old, is, you know, is... Beckham is a girl, right? And all this formation is taking place. I said, don't worry, we have this. We totally got this. So I called the family together at that Christmas. And this happened about three or four days into a two-week uh, vacation. And so the next 10 days or so, I said to the family, listen, all we're going to do is call Beckham boy. And my boy, and my young man, and good job, son, right? 
And everybody in the family started doing it. I, I talked to Maddox, and Maddox's older brother is, is doing that now. And in the course of not 10 days, three or four days, everything changed. So I'm talking to him, and I show him a picture of me in college. And I said, Papa used to have long hair, right? Yeah. I used to have long hair in college down to here, yeah. right? Yeah. Papa had long hair, and Papa's a boy. Yeah. And so they're taking a bath with all the boys, right? And I walk in, and I'm talking to them, and I have them all stand. And I said, look it, Beckham has a pee-pee, and, and they're all four boys, <laughs> right? And Papa has a pee-pee, and they're all like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. We never heard this before, right? Exactly. But I wanted them to know, listen, boys have long hair. Listen, that pop form that was happening in the world now is reversed because it was happening in the family. Yeah. Okay? And, so. and these medical professionals, though, what they do is they don't encourage any exploration of what might be making you feel that way. They don't look at it at all. They said that something like 90 to 95% of therapists and doctors will just immediately recommend that, that the solution to your gender dysphoria is to transition and start taking puberty blockers, have uh, esta, sorry, uh, sex surgery to change your gender without ever exploring what's happening in your life. And so one of the greatest problems that, and this is, so we talked about um, social media and rapid onset gender dysphoria. Um, the other side of that is also um, gender stereotypes, right? Now, and that would be where, okay, so Beckham had blonde hair, blue eyes, and was a super good-looking little dude, right? And so people thought he looked like a girl, so they said he's a girl. And in way too many families, they're then saying that, oh, my three-year-old has discovered they're a girl. Let them, decide. Let them decide. But it's already been decided by their father in heaven, right? And so, and so we're allowing these kids to think that they can decide things. And then they grow up with a weight thinking they have to decide these things, right? And there comes the confusion and the stress and the anxiety, right? And, and the outcome, the outcome out of that simple three or four days of reforming him, Changed right? everything. Is he's, she calls me after our vacation and says he's never said it again. Yep. He's never said it again. That because simple. people paid attention and actually corrected that what was an incorrect conclusion the kid had drawn. And so gender stereotypes, someone asked me, what about gender stereotypes? Are they dangerous? Should we let go of them altogether? Can I just address that for a second? Some gender stereotypes are actually really harmful, right? Like, if you know me, you know I like to wear pink, okay? Who's seen me wear pink before, right? A um, hundred years ago, that would actually be, t that would be, that would mean that I am dripping in masculinity, right? Because pink is a strong, vibrant color and men are strong. But blue, like my mates wearing here, was considered dainty and soft, stop, like a girl, stop, stop, right? Stop. And so, <laughs> and so that stereotype, right, is that, well, Boys, now we say boys wear pink, sorry, boys wear blue and girls wear pink, right? But you might have a young man who likes pink. You might have a young man who, has, who is um, more in touch with his feelings than this man is who grew up in a fairly traumatic childhood, right? So he might be more in touch with his feelings. But the thing is, those stereotypes, like I like to hunt, I like to shoot, I like guns, I'm pro 2A, right? I like those things. But a man who does not doesn't mean he's not a man. Right? See, I believe that aggression and sports and being strong the way male bodies were designed to be, I believe those things are very good for men. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But they don't decide if you're a man or not. That's it. Okay? That's it. There's a difference between whether or not you're a man and what you're doing to lean into your manhood, right? And so if a guy likes pink, that doesn't mean he's a girl. The average man, according to this research, is the average man in the United States is five foot nine something inches, right? The average girl is five foot four inches or something, right? But that doesn't mean that a man who is five foot is not a man or that a woman that is five foot ten is not a woman. Those are stereotypes, right? And so we have to be careful that we don't start to use those to confuse young men like Beckham. Yeah, that's good. And you know what? Let me explain that personally too. So... I grew up as an athlete. I grew up in the gym, played three sports, all state in one sport, all conference in, in the two others. But I play piano. So that would be incongruous. Beautifully. That would, people would say, oh, they did. Uh, how yep. can you be artsy and athletic at the yes. same time? 
right? And just because we look at those kind of attributes yep. doesn't mean, listen, I was born in San Francisco, okay? Yep. That's the why highest I like population. this dainty blue color. Yep, yep, yep right. And, so. and I live in Minneapolis, okay? So the two highest ratio of LG plus communities in America, ratio outside of New York City and LA, are Minneapolis and San Francisco. Yeah. That's why I have this affection, I have this affinity, I have this draw toward people who are LG+. I have a ton of friends, yeah. okay? So on a regular basis, I'm comfortable with that, not because I have gel in my hair, yeah. okay? Or Rub I play the piano, but because I'm drawn to that. But I haven't changed my identity because I have an affection. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? The fr my framework is not feelings, it's faith. Yeah. My framework is not emotions. I, listen, how many of you have heard somebody say, I just feel a certain way, so, or, but I have this attraction to someone, so. No, feelings, that doesn't yeah. mean anything. They, feelings are great companions, but terrible drivers. Terrible drivers. Terrible drivers. So mm -hmm. you have to look at not just the affection, you have to look at the principle, yeah. right? Not just the emotion. You yeah. have to look at the ethic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we can't let these, the world's opinions and the world's stereotypes and the world's vibes kind of encourage us to let go of the truth. I want to just jump back on stereotypes. For a second. I do want to be clear, though. Um, I do, while I do believe that stereotypes, sorry, things like just male things that men are genetically and generally more aggressive, more uh, uh, stronger, bigger, um, and, you know, designed to be able to hunt and protect, provide and preside, right? Those things, the, the, if you're not doing those things, that in no way means that you're not a man, right? And if you are doing some of those things, it, 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 that does not mean you are a man if you're a woman, right? right? These, are just, these are just things that men are good, and, and I believe they are good for men, Okay. But it doesn't mean that if you're not doing that, you're not a man. But I do think there are ways we need to go, all right, I'm going to make peace with the way God designed me and do everything I can to chase after and lean into that. Amen. That goes to the last thing, the, the second last thing, and then we might talk about the culture war in a minute. But um, should we use pronouns? Um, and we are pretty similar on that. And so I'll let you start. Yeah. So to me, it's really simple. I can answer this in a minute. And I really mean this. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. But I deal with this all the time with students. Okay, this is my 38th year in youth ministry. And the way I handle students is really clear, okay? And they know that. Uh, there's this natural love that, that I have for them and they have for me. It's a grace. It's a gift, okay? When I hear parents bring them to me or teachers in the public school who are struggling with this, it's really simple. I tell them this. If your name is Sam, I'm going to call you Sam. If it's Samantha, I'm going to call you Samantha. Show me your ID. Show me your, your, your government, your public, your school ID. That's your name, period. I'm not going to call you by a trait or, or uh, your own interest. If you want to change it and you want to call yourself Zay or Tay or a, whatever, then change your name, show me your ID, and I'll call you that. But it has nothing to do with your identity. It's your name. That's it. Yep. That's it. And so, um, so that, that's talking about their name, right? Well, what's your ID say? You know, that's your name. Um, if you come and introduce me, in, if Ian comes and says my name's Ian, then I'm going to call him Ian. If an Aaron comes and says my name's Azza, because that's what most Azzas get called in Australia, I'm going to call him Azza. Do you know what I mean? Right? But, but when it comes to um, him, her, things like that, um, I, you, I can see the argument going back and forth personally. Um, where I've landed, and it's a difficult place to land. Personally, where I've landed is I won't call someone who's a biological male a she, uh, and I won't call a biological female a he. Um, the reason for, for that is you've heard me talk about cussing versus cursing, right? When someone says, you know, P-I-S-S, -S, and some American Christian says, don't, don't curse, and I'm like, that, that, that's, you know, sorry, when they say don't cuss, you know, the Bible says don't cuss. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It says don't curse, right? And uh, now, mind you, again, I've, I've learned to be more accommodating of my American brethren, and I don't cuss as much anymore. <laughs> but, 
But having said that, but biblically speaking, it talks about cursing, not cussing. Cursing is labeling someone something that's outside their identity in Christ. Now, gender is something that when we were created in his image that he designated at that point, it's very, very important. And I feel personally that I am cursing someone if I label them something outside of what God says their image-bearing status is. And so I cannot, in good conscience, call a male a female. I understand that that could then cause a block in the relationship and so I have a grace for you to say that you um, you may not actually agree and you might you might say all right I'm going to call him a her so that I can have a relationship and that the intention of the relationship is a discipleship journey that would end with them identifying as their biological sex that God designed them and not using their pronoun could get in the way I will not assume that if you go that route that you are ungodly and you don't believe in the Bible and that you're affirming their gender dysphoria um, I'll just believe that well you're you just want to have a relationship and that's how it works. Personally, I can't get there, but, um, but it's not a hill I want to die on. I'm not telling you what to do. Does that and make and sense? I think too with the pronouns, at some point, we have to get people off the uh, confusion and the deception. Exactly. Because is this is an argument of deception also. Exactly. And so if we continue to go down the cultural path, not the scriptural path, then what happens is we add to the deception. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. God is not the God is not the author of confusion. Okay. God is not the author of confusion. So, um, and so if there's confusion in gender, that did not come from God. Uh, again, uh, what we're going to do, we're actually not going to take questions in this service. I apologize. Um, but we will be opening it up via text message uh, at the end of the next service. You can stay for that. You can come back for that. You can log on online, text your questions in as well. Um, the reason is we just want to spend a couple more moments uh, with you on this topic um, and then and give people an opportunity to give their life to Christ. Service will close in about six minutes. So if you could please just stick around uh, for the last few minutes. Um, I do want to talk about um, the, the culture war that's going on for a second. There is an active and intentional war against Christianity, yeah. right? Now, uh, we're not trying to play the victim. We're not going to act like victims. We're just going to stand up and stand firm. That's it, right? I'm not saying get out there and be like, oh, my gosh, everybody's so mean to us, you know? No, not at all, right? We're not going to be suing people because they this, that, the other. What, what I'm talking about is, but we do need Christians to recognize that we are in a war for the hearts and the minds of the young people of the United States and the Western world in general. And we need to stand up and we need to stand firm. Otherwise, we're allowing the devil to continue to author confusion in their lives, okay? He's messing. He, he, he's like, oh, you know what? We, we messed with marriage, yada, yada. He goes, I now want to mess with all the way to the beginning, not just who they marry. I want to mess with who they are. Who they are. And by doing that, he is destroying young people. The number of young people that have detransitioned after transitioning is skyrocketing. With that 5,000% increase in transitions, there is a massive increase in young people that are detransitioning, saying, my counselor and my doctor never, ever explored any other option. They just put me on these pills. And they encourage this surgery, and it's destroying young people's lives. I missed out on five years of being the boy that I was supposed to be, being the, because these doctors didn't explore it at all. And it's abuse. It is absolutely abuse. There are fathers going to jail because they won't call their kid by a preferred pronoun. It's abuse. A, one of my, my uh, assistant here, Jenna, she's a legend. She was a school teacher, and in her, in her third grade class, she had a young boy who transitioned to be a young girl, but he didn't transition in third grade. He transitioned in kindergarten, like Beckham situation, but the parents said, let's go that way, right? It's abuse. It's awful. It's not kind. Parents are not there to affirm all of our kids' feelings. We're there to guide our kids. To lead them. That's it. So Amen. as recent, this cultural war, as Pastor is saying, as recent as the last presidential debates. Um, now please understand, uh, if you know me, where I, I, I'm a moderate politically. In most areas I'm a conservative, but uh, I, I, there are many areas where I'm a moderate. So this is not a political statement that I'm making. Yeah. 
This is, this is a cultural statement that I'm making. One of the, uh, Joe Biden, who was running for president, was asked the question about this trans discussion and gave complete freedom in his answer. It's, uh, it's in the book. Gave complete freedom in his answer to basically allow, the question was a six-year-old, to allow six-year-olds to determine who they want to be. Yeah. And that was the answer that was given, right? So I want to just read to you, and, and listen, Joe Biden is my president. Whether I voted for him or not, yeah. so was Donald Trump, and yep. so was Barack Obama, and, and so was Bush. President yep. Bush. Anyway, on, right? On. Yep. So let me just read uh, three sentences that were written in 1921 yeah. on the cultural war. Okay? I alluded to it earlier on the back of the book. Let me read to you the, the, the full quote. Mm. Vladimir Lenin, 1921, How to Destroy the West. Corrupt the young. Get them away from religion. Encourage their interest in sex without morality. Make them superficial by focusing their attention on sports, sensual entertainment, and triviality. By specious argument, cause the breakdown, listen, of the old moral virtues. Cause the breakdown of the old moral virtues. Hello? Yep. Yep. Of the old moral vir virtues, yep. honesty, sobriety, mm -hmm. and self-restraint. Wow. And that's exactly what America looks like today. And that's what it looks like today. Yeah. And so we, and, you know, we're not nationalists in terms of like nation before God. But I do know that if we, can, if we, if we stand firm on the word of God, our nation will be better. It will be better. Amen. Would you all stand up with me and give my friend, Pastor Jeff, a great big hand for coming today? Hey, Jeff, love you, mate. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.